a mob of ewes and lambs in the afternoon sun. Hi, welcome to The Yarn. My name's Marius Cumming and this is a podcast for the Australian wool industry. And in Australia, we like to think that we're the home of the merino breed and Australia does produce the lion's share of the world's fine apparel wool production. In fact, over 85%. But next is South Africa with about 10% of the globe's fine merino wool production. And the president of the South African Merino Breeders Association is Gert Schmidt. He spoke earlier this year at the World Merino Congress in Uruguay, where he outlined the state of the industry in his country, the high prices for both merino wool, lamb and mutton, of course, the optimism surrounding the industry, but also the political predation and production issues holding back the growth of the merino flock in South Africa. I sat down with Gertz and asked him if the high prices for wool were in fact tempting people to breed merinos with a little more wool, as opposed to the famous dual purpose animals that South Africa is famous for. We, we, we absolutely sticking to our uh, dual purpose sheep. We um, trying to market the, our merino as the ultimate dual purpose merino in the world. And, uh, but we've adjusted our performance testing uh, formulas to, to breed for a little bit more wool, a little bit more uh, uh, body weight, and we eased off a little bit on the, on the fineness of the wool, the diameter. Now, of course, in Australia, we've seen the, uh, the SAM come to Australia, but also the Dooney that has had a very big impact in Australia. Um, are those two breeds still very significant? Uh, the Duni is still very significant in South Africa. Do you count that as a merino, by the way? No. No, right. No. no the Duni is a separate, is a separate breed, but um, we try to market the merino as a dual-purpose sheep, so we, uh, um, we don't encourage people to crossbreed to get meat on their sheep. We, we told them, you can have a merino, with just the same meat qualities, the same carcass qualities, and the same carcass weight uh, on, a, on a lamb than any other breed in South Africa. So what are the issues facing the South African uh, merino industry at the moment? In South Africa, um, our biggest concern is uh, predation. Because of its um, arid type of landscape, some people got huge amount of farmland and it's difficult to control the, the predators. And then, of course, mining, um, especially in the northern parts where uh, in the high rainfall areas, they are mining for coal. And as soon as a coal mine get up, um, the sheep and eventually the cattle also disappeared in a 100-kilometer radius. Why is that? Because of the, uh, suddenly there's a big concentration of people there it's trucks in and out all, all day long through the night. And of course, uh, stealing, they just steal the, the sheep. It's easy to, to catch, it's easy to load, and it's easy to take away. That's a good uh, and an easy feed. Yes. Um, so this is, this is something we haven't heard of before. So mining coming in and uh, the population changes. and Dramatically. Uh, is, is, Dramatically. This, is, this, is this being manifest by the sale of properties or other mining industries coming in to uh, to existing farms? No, the mining is come come into existing farms. Because of the, the need of coal, 
they start to um, go deeper into the soil to get to, to the coal because the, the shallow coal is starting to get depleted close to the um, power stations. So, and, and, and as soon as they get in, oh, they pollute the water and uh, it's trucks, the trucks make uh, quite a lot of dust on the, on the grasses and then the, the, the sheep don't want to eat it. The, it makes it not suitable for them to eat. That doesn't sound good at all, Gert. And uh, the predators that you speak of, I mean, uh, what, uh, you've got some pretty big predators yes, in, in Africa. Yes. So what, what are the predators that you normally deal with? Where the sheep is running is normally jackal and caracals. What, what's a caracal? It's a lynx type oh, of... Oh, goodness, yeah. right. Yeah, it's a, it's a cat. It's a big cat. It can take down a big ram. Or even if you if, if you get between your lambs, it's starting to play like a cat play with them. It kills fifteen or twenty sh- uh, uh, lambs, and he maybe eat at one. Oh goodness! So, uh, how have you been trying to counter this? What can you do? Oh, we've got lots of um, methods to uh, prevent it. For instance, one of the big companies. Um, Put, put out a, a big offer on fencing mm-hmm. so you can fence your uh, um, your farm or certain parts of your farm you can close that yeah. and um, that that helps a lot and then we've got uh, packs of dogs or uh, you get people that shoot it as well but um, and then if, if nothing works most there's a lot of people that crawl all the the sheep at night. Right, you're going back to the old shepherd days. Yes, exactly. Uh, the one guy called it, uh, uh, he put his sheep into a tennis court. It's this high fenced hectare camps in the field and he put them there at night. Nothing can get in and tomorrow morning early he opens it up. Goodness, and the, the labour required to do that is yes. uh, very significant. Yeah. Amazing that you've had to go to that extent. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and now, we're, in Australia, we've been very lucky to have a great influx of uh, South African uh, farmers yeah. and, and plenty of sheep farmers that, are, that adapt to Australia very well and are fantastic yeah. farmers. Is that still happening? Is there still a, a movement of farmers away from South Africa? I, I, I think, especially now that there's a little bit of uncertainty in the government, I think there's a lot of people that uh, are looking for options. But we are very positive. Um, in South Africa, we, we trust our structures. Um, we trust our uh, organized agricultural structures to facilitate this process because um, as individual you don't have a voice but as a, a organized agricultural and business structures uh, they will facilitate this process and they will uh, resolve it in the, to the best interest of everyone and um, believe me not one of the parties will be happy after that but we believe that they will resolve it to the best interest of, 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 of anyone. So you talk about the process there and your, the organisations being very yeah. important. What are those organisations and how do they work with the government? Uh, we've got uh, um, two big um, agricultural um, systems. One is Agri South Africa, where most of the farmers belong to, and then there's a TL, TLU. That's also a type of uh, um, farmer's organization that you belong to and they've they are in direct contact with the government and then we've got the businesses because we are also we are businessmen we are not 
only farmers, we are businessmen, and we, uh, we've got all these business structures that, that talk to the government on a daily basis. And the government uh, respects that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think um, you must just keep on talking to them, um, to let them know our concerns, to let them know what we're doing, to let them know our fears, and uh, we trust that. We trust our structures. So do you see it settling down, or do you see the conflicts continuing? At the moment, um, I think there's lots of talk at the moment, but um, we've got a new president that's, that is uh, a businessman. He, he knows what business is about, and um, I think we can trust him that he will, he will do the right thing for, for everyone. Has he seen, obviously, what's happened in, in, in Zimbabwe? Um, and what the country has come to there. Has, does that worry him? or you? I think so, because you see in Zimbabwe what happened there is it wasn't, um, it was a dictator that ruled the country for, for many years. Um, we've got a system where you elect a president, he, he, he can only stay in power for two terms, and then he must be, there must be a new uh, leader. So we, we, I think we trust, as I say, we trust our systems. We've got really good uh, systems and structures in place in South Africa. Now, Kurt, uh, you've, you've been on this conference. Did you go on the pre-conference too yes, as well? Yes. So you've had a look around yeah, uh, yeah. Uruguay and um, heard from the different countries. What, yeah. what have you taken away from this conference? Uruguay is a, is a poor country like South Africa. It's a developing country, but the people is... is incredibly uh, warm, they are very friendly, uh, their hospitality is excellent, um, you don't go to sleep before 12, uh, and they are a very, very proud proud nation. Um, I th it's, it's really a good country to, to be in. As I say, unfortunately, it's a poor country, they don't have that much uh, income from, say, minerals or or, or things like that. It's mainly agriculture. And uh, one thing that I've taken out of the last couple of days is that whilst merino prices are fantastic, yeah. um, production is not going to increase significantly anywhere because it can't. No, no. Um, I don't. I also, we're experiencing the same. We've. I must say, with this this upswing in the meat and uh, uh, wool prices, we've stabilised now. At least we're not going down. So we try to, we've got certain aims for us for wool production and we've got lots of um, uh, companies that, that manage our uh, wool and uh, we, we call them brokers, what Uruguay don't have. So um, we've got these brokers, it's a huge network of people that work every day in the field between the people so it's easy for us to communicate with the farmers not only the, uh, the stud farmers, but, but the commercial farmers, because these, these guys um, go out every day to see everyone, and, and it's easy to, to motivate mm. people through that system. Yeah, they're a very important part of the industry, aren't they? Uh, now, uh, people listening may not be aware of Cape Wolves, well, the yes. younger people. Yeah. Um, tell us a bit about the significance of Cape Wolves and the relationship that the growers have with Cape Wolves. Uh, Cape Wolves is excellent... Um, a company, um, they've done a lot of work. Uh, as I say, not themselves, but they uh, they financing a, a really a lot of work um, that's been done in South Africa, especially in the 
in the rural areas, they funding the uh, the NWGA, the train shearers, uh, they are helping us with um, breeding projects for rams that we put into these rural areas. You give the guy a ram, and and he, or you exchange the ram every year, so he get new genetics that's that's been tested. He don't use his own. His own uh, uh, progeny. So it's like a genetic cooperative yes. structure. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and um, through them, they also put up shearing sheds. Um, previously, it was wool buyers that walk around between these people and buy their, their wool for next to nothing. Suddenly, they, they, they get um, market prices for their wool. And uh, you can see them prosper, you can see them go forward, and they are really proud on, on, on the product. Well, it sounds a, a very interesting company. And uh, so the South African wool growers have been making money the last couple of years? Yes, so. yes. We've, we've done really, really well. Um, our our uh, RAM prices, for instance, uh, went up uh, 25% from 1916 to, to 2017. And this this beginning of the year is already up by 27%. So uh, that's a real reflection that uh, people are wanting to, to reinvest in, yes. but boost flocks. Yes. And, uh, and um, I think our, as, as, as Marino South Africa, we also believe in our systems. This, these systems were de developed over uh, centuries, uh, decades, and, and it, it is supported by our members. And... Our members, I can tell you now, is is um, one of the most efficient and uh, productive farmers in the world. And if you look at the the increase in the uh, our ram prices, it shows you that these members they believe in Merino South Africa systems. They believe in the Merino breed. But most of all, they also believe in the future of, of merino breeding in South Africa. Well, good. It's been great to catch up. Thank you very much for the time. Um, all the very best for, um, for the future, for the merino in South Africa. It sounds as though you've got a lot of challenges, but a lot of hope and yes. uh, a lot of possibilities. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate the lot. That's Gert Schmidt, president of the South African Merino Breeders Association, who spoke at the World Merino Congress in Uruguay earlier this year. Hope you enjoyed his perspective on the industry. And by all means, please send us uh, any ideas that you have for uh, us to chase up at The Yarn. Just email theyarn at wool.com. Please, please subscribe to us on iTunes and review us because it helps other people find the podcast. But for now, from me, Marius Cumming, thank you again for joining us and we look forward to your company again soon.